Good afternoon and welcome back to the EJS show on the Liberty Block with Ed, Jody, and Steve. We will be discussing various political issues and current events through conservative and libertarian lenses. This show is being recorded live and will be available within a few hours as a podcast, which can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud by searching for EJS show on the Liberty Block. So good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon, Ed, Jody, and Elliot. I wanna very briefly revisit a couple of subjects. I know we talked a bit about cancel culture and I'm sure everybody's aware of the big news this week is that long video from those doctors that has been censored from the entire internet and for which Donald Trump Jr. has also been again suspended from Twitter. So if anybody wants to make any comments about just one other example about conservatives being censored and then canceled. And my understanding also is that there's a um, Paul Gosar and some other conservatives are introducing legislation today for something to do with being, uh, I hate to use the word blacklisted, but taken down from the internet. Jody, you want to go first? Sure. Hi, everybody. Uh, so, you know, it, it, again, as a nurse, this is, I don't know how many times now I've seen during this pandemic where physicians who, and these are physicians, I haven't looked into every one of them and you know where they work and what they do. I know somebody I know did look into several of them. You know, these are legit medical scientists practicing medicine who, because their um, views, their findings, their evidence don't support um, what this mainstream sci medical scientists say, their voices are silenced and that is it is exceedingly troubling because science is supposed to be a continuing ongoing debate there's no way either side right now has any black and white evidence of anything so the discussion should be ongoing and it should be a, a discussion that is a legitimate scientific discussion between these medical scientists and their evidence instead of what we have repeatedly and it's just like the global warming thing but where we as consumers the people who need to sort of find out where what's true and what's real we're forced into this system where you have to look for what the scientists on this side say over here and then you have to look for what the scientists on this side say over here instead of a more side-by-side interactive debate between them that should be a little bit more ongoing. I find it really disturbing that this is how we're treating science now. Okay, so we're living it's in two different worlds. Ed, you wanna go? Sure, Steve. Hi, Steve. Hi, Jody. Hi, Elliot. How are you today? Awesome. Um, good. This is, a, this is a really important issue and I think it, it implicates two very fundamental and very competing values. The first value is the right of private property. And the second value is free speech. Um, we all have free speech, but as I like to tell my son or, or you know, anyone who comes into my house, you don't have free speech when you come into my house. When I go onto a, a private platform, my free speech rights are diminished. So purely putting it in terms of free speech in some ways misses the point, but making it all about private property 
also misses the point because while it's true that if I go onto YouTube or if I go onto Facebook or if I go onto Twitter, um, those are private entities and private, that's private property. And if they don't want to associate with me, that's their, that's their right under the first amendment, but, and not just under the first amendment, but just as a matter of property rights. But at the same time, free speech is a cultural phenomenon and it presupposes a certain cultural environment. And the exercise of free speech and property rights by these big tech companies is destroying the under undergirding value of free speech in our society. They are doing, they are using free speech. They're using their rights under, under the constitution to destroy everyone's rights and not, not to destroy everyone's rights, but to destroy the cultural underpinning of rights. You can't have a first amendment is, is meaningless if the culture does not respect the free flow and robust flow of information. And as a people, we have, res we have revered the free flow and robust exchange of information for at least 200 years, maybe a little longer, but in the last 10 to 15 years, that's not the case. And you know, on, you know, some people still respect it, but this whole cancel culture is really at its core about destroying that cultural underpinning for free speech. And once that's gone, it won't be very long before politically it'll be simple to legislate away free speech and First Amendment rights. So that's what I think is going on right now. Okay, Elliot? Yeah, here's my rant. I think that anyone who does not agree with what the leftist movement says science, settled science is, for instance, global warming is settled science, it is catastrophic global warming caused by man. For instance, hydro hydroxychloroquine has no benefit to anyone with COVID or anyone else, and it's dangerous for anyone to take, and it will kill you, so you shouldn't take it. These are settled science statistics, you know, facts, just like gravity. Anyone who disagrees is psychotic, and, and that's just how it goes. So these doctors, they're psychotic, and they have a history of being psychotic. They're, they're horrible doctors. They believe in crazy uh, aliens, sperm, and demons inside of you, and they're all stupid. I just looked at another one of the doctors in this uh, conference with the congressman in the uh, Frontline Doctors Conference. One of them is really stupid. He was a uh, MD, PhD, professor of medicine at NYU and UCLA, and worked to the FDA at a point as well. So just seems like a guy with a bad resume, not a lot of experience, very stupid, um, he looks like he's a tall black man and very well-spoken, um, and very open-minded. And, uh, he just said he wants to have an open conversation about it. He said that the, uh, randomized controlled trials that he's seen with hydroxychloroquine recently show no benefit, but he wants to have a conversation about it. So he sounds like a total psychotic person, right? So, you know, this is, this is just what the fact has become. People can argue right, left, this, that, the other conservatives say that, no, you're dumb, you're dumb. The fact is where the Overton window is now is anyone who disagrees with what the, the left, the DNC, the mainstream media says is considered psychotic. And, and they, they will be diagnosed as psychotic. Just like a few thousand years ago, those who said, who was it, Galileo or some philosophers or scientists who said that the world is round or that gravity exists were considered psychotic. And I believe some were put to death, right? Some of you guys probably know. I, was it Galileo or someone else who said the world is round and he was put to death for being psychotic and dangerous? So 
it's so interesting how, how we haven't made progress from thousands of years ago where saying the world is round and not flat. Not only they said he was wrong, they were wrong, of course, the world is round, but not only were they wrong, but they said he's so wrong that he's psychotic and dangerous and you have to put him to death. But it's interesting that progressives say they love progress, but we haven't made progress in thousands of years from that ideology and from that level of control and censorship and refusal to even hear out opposing opinions. So I, I think it's just so unfortunate that we have not progressed in thousands of years. I'm not sure, not sure everybody's debate. catching, not sure everybody's catching the sarcasm in some of your comments. So I hope they are. And you're actually hinting to uh, what the Soviets used to do. If you disagreed with what they say, by definition, you're insane and you need to go to re-education camps. We're getting very close to that. And I just want to bring up, I believe one of uh, the people with us today is visiting the great state of North Carolina. I assume that he went there for the funeral of Mike Adams. Now, for those who are not following the Mike Adams story, he was a professor at a university in North Carolina who was canceled, driven out of his position, forced to retire, and apparently several days ago committed suicide. Now, I can't directly his suicide to the way he was railroaded out of his position and out of any polite society. But it does show, to those who pretend not to know, there is a cost to society 100% shutting down people's opinions. And I think it's unbelievably sad that it had to come to that. Um, that's all I think we're going to say about cancel culture. I wanted to very briefly touch on, since we do have a nurse, we don't have a dietitian. But apparently, we've learned in California exactly what a meal is. I we love food, and I can identify as a dietitian if you want. And I love bars, and I love bar food. So okay. I think I am qualified here. So apparently, in California, because in New York, apparently, bars were not allowed to be open unless they serve food. So a bar started serving some type of chip, which either they or someone else called Cuomo chips. And now apparently Governor Newsom in California, who apparently is bored and has nothing else to do, has gotten bureaucrats to write an incredibly complicated list of what things qualify as foods. Um, boy, I thought that uh, rabbis could nitpick, but uh, this is absolutely unbelievable. So Jody, did you hear about the story? I did. And I just, what is the, what is the purpose? What was the impetus for making these distinctions? Could they not, I mean, they can't open, you know, where I am in the states that I am, you can go to a bar, you can go to a restaurant. So what was, why did they have to draw this distinction? What was Jody, this is basic medicine. I don't know if you remember, if you remember your, your uh, medicine 101 <laughs> class, but sorry. If, if a bar has uh, buffalo wings or other substantial foods, COVID avoids that bar. Right. So that's how the virus works. Viruses are woke. Current <laughs> day, viruses are woke and... Right. They know the distinction between an alcohol-only person and an alcohol and food intake person. I'm sorry I forgot that science. Jody? You know why I forgot that science? Because we're not allowed to debate science anymore. So it just Jody, you <laughs> have the quote of the week, if not the quote of the year. Would you say the virus is woke? Yeah, basically. Apparently they are. They're upset that a bar can get out of their control by saying we're serving food if we're serving pretzels or if we're serving wings or if we're serving chips. So now they deign to decide what is a meal and what isn't a meal. Like I say that the uh, hair splitting is unbelievable. Ed, do you have any quick comments? Well, I think you're right, Stephen. I think that this is just about Cuomo and, and Newsom being unwilling to admit that their initial distinction was, was foolish and indefensible. 
And instead of just backing off and saying, you know what, fine, you want to serve chips, you want to have beer, go ahead. Instead, they're trying to, to retain control and exert control by defining what is a meal and what is not a meal. They know it's foolish. I mean, in the same way that, you know, everybody know, knew in, you know, in Orwellian terms, you know, that war is not peace and ignorance is not uh, strength. Uh, this is just another example of government run crazy where they're trying to uh, impose their will on others. And even when they're shown to, when, when the policy that they're trying to advance is shown to be foolhardy, instead of just backing off, you know, for, for leftists, they never have to say, I'm sorry. They never have to say I'm wrong ever. Mm-hmm. And they never do. All right. That was a direct attack on me giving Jody quote of the week. <laughs> Go ahead, Elliot. No attacks. Can I just say, this is one of the many, many reasons why you should never let the government control food and what's food and what's not food and control who can give food and who can eat food and what kind of food. That's all I want to say. It's okay. so, so obvious. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I'm not even going to compete for quote of the week anymore. Next thing I wanted to touch on really quickly was the wonderful Supreme Court case, which I forget which justice mentioned that he can't find in the Constitution where casinos should be open, but churches not. Again, I assume everybody's aware of that. I think that was an Alito's opinion. Right. And Ed, you're our legal expert. If you want to comment on, on that, I know what I probably wrote on Liberty Block about that is once again, we sit back and wait for the Supreme Court to save us and protect our rights. And when they don't, what do we do? But you can comment. Well, I mean, taking that last point first, we have to be able to go to court. I mean, how did this case start? They, the, the church brought an action saying that the governor's, the governor's action was, was wrong. Either the church has to initiate an action or they have to wait to be prosecuted. But either way, a court needs to be the one that makes the final decision, right? We, otherwise, it's just up to Gavin Newsom, and he doesn't—he doesn't have any check. I mean, if he violates the church's rights, if the church can't get a get you know help from a court, then it can't get help from anywhere. So I don't like the implication that we that we shouldn't think of the courts as guardians of our rights just because they screw up sometimes and they screw up lots of times. Um, I think they screwed up in this case. Um, I think Alito's and Gorsuch's opinions. Made, it, made the case extremely well. There's no, there's no universe where going to a casino should be protected, but going to church should not be. And, you know, there's just, there's no defensible way to, to explain that and to justify that. And how, I mean, there was no majority, I mean, there was an, an unsigned opinion, so nobody signed it. Um, how, how, Roberts and the, the, the other leftists on the court can defend the distinction that was drawn as being consistent with the First Amendment is just mind-boggling to me. I mean, not just consistent with the First Amendment, but consistent with, with logic and common sense. I mean, how can it be okay to go to a, a casino but not to a church? I mean, forget about, what, forget about a, a constitution. How, in what universe is that reasonable? Not in any that, and not in any that I can tell. I forget who was the first one who said some ideas are so stupid only an intellectual can come up with it. But uh, <laughs> Elliot, quick comment. Well, Ed, to answer your question, Governor Newsom explained why churches are so dangerous. Again, COVID 
uh, when it's in a church, COVID does attack the people in a casino, COVID stays away. But what Governor Newsom did actually, is he said it was illegal to sing in a church because when you sing, and this is true, by the way, when you sing, you're uh, exhaling a little bit more minute volume than, than you would be and a little more force than you would be otherwise speaking. And people are in close proximity in church. And when you sing, you are expelling more particles possibly. And then I wrote an article, Governor Newsom, you're right. But you also increase minute volume when you exercise. So you increase your, your depth and your rate of respirations when you exercise. So we should ban all exercise and dancing and all exercise in the world and just ban everything in the world. So that's well, they, my article I wrote banned, for Governor Newsom. They banned gyms from opening. Mm-hmm. You know, the tele gym in New Jersey is, is being shut, has been shut down and, you know, its owner has been arrested by, mm-hmm. by Governor Murphy. The whole SWAT team came in, right? It was, it's incredible. Right, which is going to kind of bring me to a topic. I'm going to skip over one and get to this one. Um, this may get slightly more controversial. Another article, Indiana police say they won't enforce governor's mask order. So we get to this issue of we have to turn to the courts. We don't have a good alternative if we don't listen to the courts as the ultimate arbitrators. Yet we have many police forces and sheriff's offices across this country saying we will not enforce laws. So to the libertarian in me, I'm like, bravo. To the law and order conservative, I'm trying to figure out how they make peace with police saying, no, we're not going to enforce it. Because if they would say, we're not going to arrest that gym owner and we're not going to shut down this church, what does the conservative do with that? Joe, do you want a shot first? Um, I, I'm open for discussion. I'm, I'm, you know, to protect the guilty I'm not going to say where I am, but where I am, uh, the, as far as the word on the street grapevine, we have the same, you know, we have the same orders here. Our governor, where I am, has said, you know, it's a misdemeanor um, fines to, to $500. And in my area, the police have said, yeah, we're, we're not going to, we're not going to police that. So there are restaurants, places you can go and you can get away with a lot more than you could probably if you weren't in my area. So I'm personally enjoying that a little extra freedom on that, but um, I don't know. I honestly find it a conundrum. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm interested in hearing other people's perspectives. Well, I, let me, this is Ed. I, I've, got, I've got a little bit of a strong view on this one. I think uh, on the one hand, like you said, Stephen, my, you know, I'm a law and order conservative and I believe that it's not the police, the job of the police to determine whether a law is good or bad. It's the job of the police to enforce laws. In general, that's what I think. But I don't think that we get too far without taking into account context and specifically the context of what's going on in America today. And what's going on in America today is that there is a literal war on the police going on. And it's being waged by by the same people who are supporting these mask orders. And I don't think it's, I think that it's important to integrate the two. The police are under attack from people like, uh, you know, the mayor of Chicago, where you are, Jody, or close to where you are, from Governor Newsom, from Governor Cuomo, from Governor Murphy. Um, they are, these governors and mayors are allowing literal physical attacks and violence on the police. And they're being told not to enforce laws in those jurisdictions. So you have that context and you have a broad-based attack on the police. And if the police are going to enforce laws that are 
clearly unconstitutional and clearly rights violating, and they're going to enforce them against the one segment of the population that supports them and is not throwing bricks at them and is not throwing Molotov cocktails at them, I think they're making a dramatic mistake. I think that you have to look at the full context of what's going on right now and, and understand who your friends are and who your enemies are. Well, you're describing every NYPD cop and every New Jersey cop and every California cop who ruins the life of every conservative who has a gun because they're illegal, right? So how do you reconcile that? Well, I'm not sure how, how, I'm, how that is true. Because okay, any, any police officer, and I, we're going to do a whole show on police one day because this is a very, very volatile debate, but any police officer who enforces any gun crime other than somebody who literally committed a crime in front of them is clearly violating the Second Amendment. I don't really care what somebody said in Heller. So that's at least as unconstitutional as mask orders or eating wings in a bar. So once we say police shouldn't enforce unconstitutional orders, which I believe, since I think they still swear an oath to the Constitution, uh -huh. I think this is a really, really difficult area to negotiate. So I, I'd rather leave the police discussion overall for another time Hopefully, we'll be giving out. You're the one who brought it up. No, we're going to give out. I just said this is a tough issue, and I want to hear people's opinions. But I think overall, this is a really difficult issue, the whole police issue. You know, getting involved in police discretion and traffic tickets and et cetera, et cetera. I agree. Other, and when, you, when you're dealing with things like the discretion of the police, there's not discretion by its nature means that there's no bright line. If there were a bright line, it wouldn't be discretion. It would be your bright line test. But my point is, the police are under attack. They're, they, there's a segment of the population that's making war on them, and there's a segment of the population that's trying to defend them. And when the police are enforcing mask ordinances, but not enforcing other laws that ban destruction of property, that ban rioting, that ban arson and murder and looting, they're choosing sides. You can't pick and choose which laws you're going to enforce and which you're not without being accused, without not being accused, without being held to account for choosing a side. And if they're going to choose the side, a side in this civil war, then God damn them. I mean, I don't well, know. It's not them. It's their boss. It's the mayors. It's the, that was going to be my question. Yeah. And the question is, you know, it's, are we controlled by civilian bosses? Are we not? Yeah. Anyone, I want to table the police debate because it's, um, like I say, it can get kind of rough. We all have very strong opinions on the police debate. One quick case I wanted to mention is um, apparently there's a law in Ohio forcing ministers to officiate, parentheses, at, because there's a dispute if officiate is a transitive or an intransitive verb. And most people under 50 probably have no clue what a transitive verb is anyway. But apparently there's a law forcing ministers to officiate at same-sex weddings. Now, again, I can't get away from First Amendment issues and I can't get away from other issues. So I just want to bring it up very, very briefly. When your rights cross with my rights, and this is again, in certain ways, similar to the cake baking cake and the, flor and the florist case, et cetera, et cetera. But it's another area where the government is clearly interfering in constitutional rights. And unfortunately, it's very real. It's very immediate in our lives. There's a lot, a lot of clergy in this country. Uh, Ellie, you want to say something? 
Yeah, if the First Amendment was written for one reason, it was for this exact damn reason, because this law in Ohio that you just mentioned 100% violates the First Amendment right to freedom of religion, forcing any imam or any, any uh, Muslim minister or any minister to officiate a same-sex wedding where that is 100% against their religion, their Old Testament, their tradition, and their beliefs is absolutely violative of the First Amendment. This should be struck down by the courts and whoever made this law should be remanded and thrown out of their legislature and, you know, banished from their state. Okay, that's a subtle commentary, which we'll have to uh, figure out later exactly what he was trying to say. Ed? Well, while I'm sympathetic to a lot of what Elliot just said, I, I hearken back to what I said at the very beginning of the program when we were talking about, um, you know, YouTube and Donald Trump Jr. being kicked off of Twitter based on that video of the doctors. And... On the one hand, you have First Amendment rights that Elliot has clearly articulated, and he's right about that. Um, and, but on the other hand, I think that there's, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess it's not the same situation because there are alternatives for, for same-sex couples that don't exist in the, in the big tech world. Um, they don't have to go to a particular minister. They can go to a... Um, to a government officiant, they don't have to go to a particular, you know, to an imam or, or to, you know, a religious leader. But um, I just think that as conservatives and as libertarians, when we witness what's going on with YouTube and Google and Facebook, while I'm, I'm not going to stand here and say public accommodation laws are the right answer, um, I can't say that I feel as much antipathy towards them as I did a couple years ago. Um, I, I'm not in favor of them, but I'm a little more understanding of them now, given what I see in, in the YouTube and Facebook and Twitter context uh, than I was a couple years ago when I would have just said, you know, it's a private, you know, you have a private right to choose, you know, to choose who to, you know, what your religious beliefs are and who to associate with and whether you're going to marry a couple and whether you're going to bake a cake for that couple. I mean, I, I get all that, and, I, and those are all legitimate and correct arguments. But, um, you know, at some point, if people are being shut out of society entirely, you know, is it, is it reasonable for, for other members of society to step up and try and defend the, that oppressed minority? I think, I think it might be. Now, I think that the same-sex couples are not oppressed in that sense because, like I said, they do have alternatives, whereas it's just doesn't seem possible right now to create alternatives to the internet, to create alternatives to YouTube, to create alternatives to the banking industry. Um, you know, maybe there should be, you know, but what should be and what is are two different things. And so. Okay. I'm just going to, I'm going to throw out a line out there that we can debate in a future show. Sure. Should it be a crime for any legislator to propose a law that is clearly unconstitutional? Yes. And I think we should debate this at a certain point down the line, but I have a little trouble understanding why it shouldn't be, but I want to leave that for the moment. I want to get to what I'm, what I'm calling our main topic for the day after 15 uh, hors d'oeuvres, as it were. The idea of the private market interfering with legal commerce. And I know one of the cases that someone had put up on Liberty Block within the last week or so was about financial institutions cutting ties with the gun industry. And that's been a very big issue, I think, for a couple of years now, 
where banks and especially credit cards are saying, if you want to buy a gun, if you want to buy ammo, we're not going to process your, um, your purchases. And I just saw also a, in England, a charity, a Christian charity was banned from banking because pressure was put on them by LGBT groups. Was that Ireland or? or uh, somewhere, in the, somewhere in the UK. So not only are you banning a specific type of transaction, now we're going to ban an entire group, an entire sect of society, in this case, a Christian charity. Can you imagine saying Salvation Army? Now, I know there was a problem Salvation Army. They didn't want them to have a field hospital in New York to save people's lives from mm -hmm. COVID because Salvation Army is apparently evil. No one can say how they're evil, but apparently they're evil. They're Christian, that's how. But now, can you imagine if Chase Bank and Wells Fargo and Bank of America, the biggest banks, said, we're not going to deal with Salvation Army. So this is going pretty far. And this led to quite a, uh, a lively debate on Liberty Block, which is why I want to bring it up here. What does a conservative do? What does a libertarian do when private industry like credit cards, like banks, seek to shut down constitutional activities. So, Jody, opinion? Yeah, um, so I think there's a little, it's not, this isn't really just private industries a lot of times, right? There's government intervention in there somehow that might preclude other players from coming in and filling that void of whoever's getting discriminated against in the private sector, right? So I don't okay, well, think- let me, let me interrupt you because I want to make sure I know what you're saying. Somebody else knows what you're saying. You're saying it wouldn't be such a problem if we could just open up a bank tomorrow and we could open up a credit mm -hmm. card tomorrow and we could provide for the gun well, Listen, I know, or even if, I mean, yes, but if other plate, look, if you, if, if realistically, you know, I mean, how many, how many gun owners are there in the United States is something like, I mean, it's huge, right? Yeah, 100 billion. So think of, think of that market and how big it is. And if there's that need to fill that void, I, I got to believe that there's going to be players that are going to come in and find their way to finance that industry. But I'm just trying to, 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 to because sometimes I feel like we talk about, okay, well, it's either regulated by government um, or, you know, it's a free market. And if, it, if it's a free market, those things like certificate of need laws aren't so involved in the industry that they literally preclude the free market from functioning in the way that it's supposed to function. And yet we still have this discussion as if we're talking about what's happening in healthcare, in the gun industry, in this case, as the, if it's, it's, as if it's a flawed look at the free market, like, oh, look, this is the free market acting, you know, discriminately. And it's like, well, if you get the government part out, those bad players who are choosing discrimination over their industry, the industry will punish them. The industry, I, I just, I think that the problem is it's a flawed system it's not free market that's okay, so i think you're making i think you're making a great point if i understand you you're saying the problem is the free market isn't free and yes. in a free market the ejs show would start today with a big investment and we would open up our own ejs slash nra slash goa 
credit card and we could pull in all of the gun business in America. Well, maybe but we you can't because the government makes it impossible. Exactly. Right. Yes. That's what Jody's so saying. Maybe you, you, don't, you can't come in as a big player, but maybe you can come in as a small player. And if the, the market void is that big, they're going to go wherever they can. Even mm -hmm. if it's just us for pooling this, whatever we have, and then we grow, and then we get bigger, and then more people, you know. I would open a bank. There's a need. There's 100 million gun owners who need a new bank. There's a need. There's a demand. I would open a bank, but it's too hard. The government, the SEC, whoever else controls banks, I don't even understand who controls banks. I know that there are a billion regulations making it impossible for me to create a bank. Okay, so without, without going too deeply into economics, which I don't understand, and I don't want to get too much into the woods here, but the government says it has to regulate banks because it's really, really easy for me to get you to deposit your money with me and abscond. So the government is saying, we're gonna protect you from evil, which is supposedly the government role. And then even the more so when the government has FDIC, which I believe is government backed, and they're saying they're actually insuring your money. So for sure, conservatives are gonna say government has a role in policing banks to protect the consumer. Libertarians are gonna say what they always say, the private market will have like a better business bureau to protect the banks. But I like what Jody's saying because she came up with a really quick solution to all of this, open up the market. Nobody wants to sell, do credit cards for guns, we'll do it. Go ahead, Ed. Well, I've got several things I wanna say, but for, you know, first, just in response to Jody's hypothetical, um, just look at the internet, look at YouTube, look at Facebook. Though That's an industry that's got hardly any government regulation. And there has been a crying need for an alternative platform for, for many years now, long enough that if it were easy enough to just start something up, it would have been started up. Um, I don't think you can point to government regulation as the reason why there's not an alternative to YouTube, why there's not an alternative to Facebook, why uh, even the, the new alternatives to, to Twitter, like Parler, they just aren't the same. Um, and so I don't think it's correct to say that the free market would just pop in if it were allowed to work. That's not an indictment of the free market, but I just don't think it's a panacea. I don't think it always was going to provide that answer. Um, but I guess it, to me, it's not just... It's, Sometimes it's, it's, it's government regulation, but, you know, I think that some of the problem is that too much of this is private actors. And, and you know, let me give you two different types of private action I'm talking about. The first, the first is really where, where I almost, I, 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 let me call it reverse lobbying, okay? If, if Nancy Pelosi or, or Chuck Schumer or some other prominent Democrat whispers in Mark Zuckerberg's ear and says, this video really doesn't help us. It would help, it would help us a lot if you took it down. And Zuckerberg says, okay, I'll take it down. Well, that's, that's private action. I mean, unless there's some government law, government regulation, or a, a real or implied threat of force, I don't think that that's government action. That's private action. It's still, you know, like I said, it's sort of a reverse lobbying situation. Instead of the private actor asking the government to do something, the government is asking a private actor to do something that the government can't do, but, the pri but sort of deputizes the private actor to do it. And we're seeing lots of that going on right now. And if we just rely on the free market, on private actors, well, 
private actors have been infiltrated by, by the government. And a second example, forget about whether the government is whispering in anyone's ears. We've got enough evil people, enough leftists in this society that simply don't respect private property and don't respect individual rights. And they don't even need to be told by the government to, do, to go and deplatform those doctors or to deplatform uh, Donald Trump Jr. Those people are, are perfectly happy using their rights to destroy other people's rights. And as conservatives and libertarians, we need to recognize the environment we're in. This is not 1776 or 1789, you know, 1787, where you had two different patriotic factions, you know, the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists, who, who were just arguing about different ways to get to a free society. What we have today are, we have a fifth column in this country, and they are working independently and in connection with, in conjunction with government to destroy our whole press, you know, our whole infrastructure of rights. And to just stand back and say, let's let the market decide in that context, I think it ignores reality. And, you know, I don't think that we need to advocate for big government solutions as a long-term solution, but right now the leftists are using government to destroy us and we need to, we need to fight back. You know, that's why I was saying not too long ago, maybe we need, we do need some public accommodation laws. Maybe we need some unorthodox solutions that in a more, uh, in a different set of facts, a libertarian wouldn't support and a conservative might not support. But in today's world, we're facing some serious challenges and we need to be prepared to fight a war on all fronts because that's what we have. We have a war being waged against us. So if I understand you, Ed, you're saying we may need to have government force credit card companies to, um, to deal with gun purchases. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying don't take anything off the table. Don't take, right. And okay, don't, so don't, don't, don't take away the option. Don't cede the battleground to the leftists and, and say, if you, when you guys are in control, you can force us to bake cakes, but when we're in control, we won't force you to do anything. Because in that's, if that's the way we operate, we basically engaged in unilateral disarmament and the illegitimate functions that government has arrogated to itself are never turned on the left they never feel any penalty. They never pay any price for those illegitimate functions. And we might need to just make them pay a price to get them to stop. That's okay, all. Elliot? And I think we had the same debate last week. And I understand that you want to fight back hard against the left. And I agree we should punch back. Um, and you're saying we can either use less government or we can use more government and use the government against them. Here's what I would say. Whenever there's a debate with whatever we're considering, whether to use have more government as a solution or less government, I always opt for less government because I don't trust giving government more powers. If you really want to, if you really want to hurt the left, take, gov take power away from the government. That'll kill the left. Forget, you know, right, left, who's in office now, who's going to be in office next term. If you really want to hurt the left and all the statists of all brands, take power away from the government. That is the ultimate long-term wow. attack against the leftists. Oh, it's tough. It's definitely tough. I don't know how. Um, but I'm, I'm just saying, if, you know, we can do less government. Know how, then how can you advocate it? Well, 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 actually, well, well, we, we do know how, but that's another topic. But it's hard. No, it's very difficult. I'm not saying I can snap my fingers and decrease the size of government for sure. I mean, um, a few we're other not notes talking I about the P word, and we're not going to talk about the S word. We'll leave that yeah. for, for, for another uh, 
another show. But so there are solutions, radical and unlikely as they are, yeah, to yeah. power away from the government. And I hear what Elliot is saying. If the government weren't so darn powerful, a lot of these issues wouldn't be true. But so your solution, Elliot, would be that we should have the freedom to open up a bank and deal with the gun market today. Yeah. I kind of agree with Jody, but I think Ed's point about the internet, he's making yeah. a really so good So one thing that Ed said really about, about the internet where he said that unlike with credit cards and banks where there, there's a, uh, a barrier to entry that the government creates for banks and credit card uh, managing companies, I'm sure, he said for uh, Facebook and Google websites, there isn't necessarily the same barrier to entry for other websites. I'm allowed to make a website. Parler did it. You're pretty much allowed to make a social media site. That's true. That being said, you imply that the government gives Google and Facebook no advantages. There, I'd have to disagree. They're getting a tremendous benefit from the government, where the government, as we discussed a few weeks, a few weeks ago, the government gives them the full freedom to act as a, a publisher and, and control content, control their influence or uh, cultivate content, whatever they use, Yes. while also giving them platform protection. So they do have they, that benefit. Okay, but they did not grow that way. That's not how they- No, they, they grew. They grew organically. I give Zuckerberg all the credit in the world, right. just like Tom and from so MySpace, they, they grew. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They grew without government's yeah. help. So you're well, right, sure. government's yeah. giving them a pass. Yeah. And but, why is it the conservatives can't get that capital together? Parler is growing. It's already a, t a top thousand site in the US. One of the, of the billions of sites, it's already nearly top thousand. MeWe well, is right there, Minds is right there. So they're growing. And by the way, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll give Ed and Jody a second, but I think that Twitter, Google, and Facebook may slightly be overplaying their hand, and that will show what's going on in Washington today. And there may be a tipping point after Trumps are deplatformed and every conservative is deplatformed. Just like the Titanic was unsinkable and MySpace was here forever, right. nothing lasts forever. I Facebook's Sears not going to be here forever. Sears Roebuck was the biggest company in the world. Jody? I just wanted to draw on the distinction, the comparison between the internet services and the, the um, financial institutions and guns. And, you know, if, 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 if that's the way it goes with the guns and you have this really large market who legitimately cannot access what they want, I, I promise you the market would figure it out. But I don't think the analogy with the internet is the same because there is a small growing of it, but we don't have a denial of access. If it were to shut off tomorrow, if all of a sudden nobody or 70% of us who wanted access to Facebook and YouTube were denied it, I promise you it, it would evolve and we would have it, but it's happening so insidiously. It's happening quietly and that's why the market is not fixing it so quickly because yes i have access but am i discriminated against yes if all of a sudden i couldn't access what i wanted to access i promise you the market would fix it so you're as saying, long as you're government, kind of saying what i'm saying tipping point there may be a time but we're not feeling it partially enough right so not acting enough ed well two things first elliot yes facebook and the social media companies are working under the protections of Section 230, but any potential competitor would have those same protections, and yet they still are not, they haven't really penetrated the market. I understand Parler is making inroads, but I mean, I'm on Parler and I like Parler, but I find it to be not very interactive, certainly not as interactive as Facebook and not even as interactive as Twitter, in my opinion. Yeah, I like UI of Facebook the best as well, yeah. What? 
so I like the, the UI of Facebook the best uh, as well. So the, sure. the, the, the new players just need to find a way to make their product as good. Right. Well, I think, I think yeah, and, and general, they're improving. Yeah. yeah would people improving. agree with me that liberals tend to have a lot more passion and fight than conservatives and libertarians do? Yes. And they're better at organizing. They are organizers. Well, That's what they do. I, well, I think, no, no, no. Let me, let me just say, this is, this is exactly what I was saying before about the reason for that is the libertarian mindset is to seed the battlefield here. It's to say, we can't do anything. Let the market take care of itself. And that it's not an accident. It's not a bug in the system. That is a feature of libertarianism. And I'm not saying it to, to necessarily condemn libertarianism or even be overly critical, but it's a little critical because we're faced in a different kind of enemy today that is trying to destroy us. They don't have a difference of opinion with us. This isn't, this isn't you know, Jefferson against Adams in 1800. This, this is a, a, an enemy that is trying to overthrow our system that wants to totally remake our government and agree. So what I'm saying is globally, we just don't have the passion. Now, Trump, with, with his pluses and minuses and his warts and all, has some of that passion and he sometimes gets out of line because of it. But overall, the right side doesn't have the passion to work tirelessly to build something to compete with the left. I, I just think that's a global issue. What, Jody? So I was going to say, and this is going to sound really extreme, maybe, but if you look historically, Wait, stop, stop. Do we allow extreme extremist opinions on definitely this? Definitely not. Yes. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm not saying this is my opinion. I'm putting it out there for further dialogue and dissection. But I'm just saying, maybe if you look throughout history, and you see that evil is is very cunning and very busy and very aggressive and doesn't sleep, and those who sleep and think the world is, you know, a reasonably kind place, whatever. It's the evil is very effective because they have that passion and, it, and, and look into history, then all of a sudden when the people with less passion finally wake up is when you have the horrible moments of now they have to fight for, it's, it's unfortunate, but I think that's kind of what history tells us. Yeah, evil is very busy because they're very passionate. Um, I, I don't know you that well, but you, but you almost sound like you're saying that in a religious way. No. Okay. I'm saying that maybe- In the sense of God and Satan. Uh, I, I'm it saying from the sense of dictators. And, yeah, these people you know, are evil. They I'm just are saying evil. They're, very, they're very aggressive and passionate and busy. And meanwhile, people are just living their lives. Okay, I want to bring up Things one issue that yeah. I think- I'm going to bring up an issue that dovetail with what Ed is saying. I think this may dovetail with what Ed is saying. I'm going to have to accuse you of being an anti-Semite if you don't let is, me comment um, on that. Is the left is very good at using government to get grants to beat us down with. So we believe we don't want to get government grants because we're against big government, against big government wasting money. So the people on our side work nine to five or even more hours and have 10 minutes at night to fight whereas they're working all day long on government grant money. And yet that for sure gives them an advantage that we'll never take advantage of because yeah. that conservative right. or libertarian, I think we're all against that. We don't have the think tanks as much that survive on government. Yeah, That's Ed, what I was going to say. Ed, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, uh, that just, again, I'll say it again. We can't cede any battlefield to these people and, we have to be willing to fight even on their terms sometimes. 
not because they're right, but because if, if we do, if we just do nothing and allow them to take all the government money and use it against us, we're not going to win that battle. Okay. Um, so I'll bring up an interesting, um, an issue 501c3s in churches and synagogues. The constitution is very specific in saying that if you have a 501c3, you are allowed to invite a Democrat candidate for any office in the country to campaign there. And if you are a Republican, you're not allowed to go into a church or synagogue to campaign there. And that's just an issue that we can't win on. And if you notice, Democrat presidential campaigns can go into churches whenever they feel like it. But I can tell you firsthand, if a synagogue or church would invite a Republican in, they would be threatened to lose their 501c3. So even when we want to play their game against them, we will get in trouble and they won't because they, they have so much institutional power. Again, I want to, I want to agree with, with what all of you just said, but, but Ed and Steve, I think you, you both kind of almost implied that conservatives and libertarians are, are lazy or not as smart. And, and I, I hear that I would kind of reframe it. I would say, no, no, I mean, you know, you said the left is involved po politically. They're more involved and they have more passion and they fight harder. It's true. What I would say is we work more in our jobs and they work more in politics. So we work very hard. We have jobs, whereas leftists don't have jobs. Well, I mean, so we work hard, but they work hard in politics and we're busy raising families and working hard and paying our taxes and obeying the law. And the left is busy playing politics, politics, politics and taking over the school system. So that's why they win. So, well, but I mean, there's lots of really successful leftists in this country. I mean, whether it's Zuckerberg or Bill Gates or yeah, a whole bunch of others. By I mean, and large, the average leftist does not work. Okay, but to, no, to, bring, to bring up an issue, what, what he is speaking to is unions. So unions, which are overwhelmingly leftist donators and working for leftists, get companies to write into their contracts, which are, by the way, somehow backed up by the National Labor Relations Board, et cetera, forcing companies to pay full-time union activists who can then use that time to campaign and give money to Democrats. And we wouldn't want to be able to do that even if we could. I just think it's another instance where they have certain built-in advantages because of what they believe. I just think it's sort of a spin-off of what Ed is saying. We wouldn't want to use certain tactics. And I don't think, Ed, would you say we should start 501c3s and c4s and take government money to fight back? I'm saying that everything should be on the table. I'm not saying that we need to become leftists in order to beat leftists, but I'm saying that everything needs to be on the table. We, we, we are fighting for our survival right now. And, and I don't mean to be hyperbolic, but I really believe that's the case. I really believe that if the left takes over again, we are, we are in danger. I mean, right now, we are in danger if we live in a big city that is run by these leftists. And, you know, right now I live in the state of New Jersey and, you know, Governor Murphy is, is at war with innocent people who, conservative type people, Trump type people who want to go to church, who want to go to a gym to take care of themselves, who may want to go to the beach. All those things are being shut down, but all the, all the COVID riots are being encouraged and it's, it's utter nonsense on its face. And yet it goes forward. And, you know, we can complain about it and we can talk about it and rant about it here on Liberty Block and we can bring lawsuits. But in the end, we are facing tyranny. And, you know, in New Jersey, the, the left controls the governorship, the both houses of the legislature and the courts. And there's not a whole lot we can do. 
if they get in, if they get in charge of the entire country, we are facing some serious serious threats to our existence. And 100% agree. Yeah. Yeah. Since I, I would like to focus a little bit. I want to focus as a rule on this show on what we agree on. So I think all four of us agree that this is no joke, that we're at the end of the road here. If we lose, we're in really, really bad shape. Do all four of us agree to that? Of, of course, yeah. yeah. And I agree with Ed that every tool should be on the table. We should consider having every tool on the table. If you're going to fight a war, you should be considering every tool. That being said, I would, I would also say that I strongly believe that we must separate, not just politically, we must separate culturally. And that's why, Ed, I'm agreeing with you. I think I'm yeah. saying it a bit differently, but you're saying they're so bad, that, you know, the, the leftists and the banks and the Google, they're all against us. I agree. And it's not just politically and not just building a wall. I want to separate politically, physically, by building a real wall with bricks around our free state, be it New Hampshire, Wyoming, or Texas. And also culturally, we will have a different culture. We won't worship. more important. Yeah, yeah. Culture is everything, of course. We're not going to, you know, worship the, the left and Newsom and Cuomo and Biden and Britney Spears or whoever else they worship and Tom Hanks, who's, I guess he's Greek now. We're going to have our own culture. We're going to have our own music, our own sports. We'll have our NFL, where the NFL is not becoming leftist or NBA owned by China. We're going to have our entire own culture. And again, like we said, we have 100 million, 150 million people. It's plenty of people. It's not just us four idiots in one town like leftists think we are. We're going to have a culture of millions of actual patriots. Like you guys said very wisely, it used to be one patriot group against another patriotic group. Now we have one anti-American evil group who wants to destroy everything good about the country. 100%, I agree. That's why, again, I'm a, I'm, the problem is I'm too pessimistic. I think you guys are too optimistic. I think they've already won the U.S. and they've individually won around 45 states. We need to give up. You said don't seed ground. I got to disagree. Seed ground. New Jersey's done. It's over. California's finished. New York's finished. You have, to, you have to give up that ground. Let's try to save a few states before it's too late for all 50 states. And let's separate physically, politically, culturally, and in every single way. So that, that's the S word that we're going to bring up at another time. I want to bring back up the T word, tipping point. What, what sports has done right now, if that's not a tipping point, I don't know what is. Every major sports um, league right now seems to be advertising for certain leftist causes, painting things on the mounds, on the helmets, yep. on the jerseys, forget kneeling. Kneeling is considered like mild nowadays. You have to have it painted on your helmet. So it'll be interesting in November. Now, I don't think this election is going to be over. If Trump wins, I predict the election will be over by December 15th or 31st. If God forbid Biden wins, I think it'll be over at six o'clock on election day. But if Trump wins, it won't be over till 2035. It'll it, be in the it courts until 2035. I guarantee it. But I think we're going to find out in November, have they gone so far that the Trump victory will be even stronger? And I don't want to rule out Trump having a, Reagan, a Reagan-esque type victory because I could see that happening because they have so badly overplayed their hands in one direction. And if Trump doesn't win, at least the four of us agree. We're in really, really, really bad shape. We're going off a cliff really fast. Okay, closing statements from everybody. Ladies first. Uh, wait, somebody else go first. Well, all right, no, let me. I'll, I'll go. Or Stop. anybody who identifies as a lady, go first. Identify as a lady. <laughs> no, I, I wanted to say that this further highlights what I br have brought up before and how scary it is that it's being turned upside down where we are now into a system where the government can, does, and will 
actively discriminate, but they will prevent every individual and private institution from actively discriminating. We're seeing that moving and think of, think of that getting even further down the road, how frightening that is when your government can discriminate against you, but you can't discriminate against anybody else for any other reason in business or in shopping for Pete's sake. It's a scary thing to see. Ed? Well, let me say two things. One, as to your last comment, Steve, I think, I think both sides are laying the foundation to challenge a loss in November. So I think regardless of whether Trump wins or Biden wins, I think whoever loses is going to challenge the result. And both sides are laying the, the groundwork for saying that it was, it was a fraudulent uh, election. Um, and number two, I just wanted to get back to something Jody said a little while ago about sort of evil being on the march and, you know, the good people sort of being a little passive and in their, you know, sort of on their heels. And I don't think that's new. You know, I wanted to say this before, but I didn't, I wasn't able to get it in. You know, Thomas Paine in, in Common Sense talked about the Sunshine Patriot. And, you know, this is not something new that, you know, we had some people that, were sunshine patriots back then, but other people that were willing to fight and fight and fight. And, you know, the, the old refrain about, you know, Americans being willing to, to cross an icy Delaware River on Christmas Eve and kill you in your sleep. And, and we did it. And, you know, there were people that were committed to liberty. And I think that there are people today that are committed to liberty. Um, and I think that they're willing to fight. Um, we need to, we need to organize and we need to be ready to fight. And, um, Trump's biggest virtue to me is that he's willing to fight and his biggest flaw, I'd say his two biggest flaws are that sometimes when he should be fighting, he's not. Um, he's, he's not fighting on COVID the way I'd like to see him fight. He's not fighting against these, this insurrection that's going on in our big cities the way I'd like to see him fight. Um, and, you know, this is totally off topic of, this, of what we've been talking about, but, you know, because I said there are two things I have, two, two problems I have with him. I, you know, he, he's a big spender and he's spending money faster than the socialists are willing to spend money. And, you know, we haven't really talked about that on this show, but it's definitely something to discuss when it comes to Trump. But so anyway, that's those are the two things that I wanted to say in, in, in closing today. Elliot, last comment. Yeah, we didn't get a chance to, to speak about it, but Oregon is also laying the groundwork for secession. As you know, Trump has put in some federal law enforcement or, or uh, military type uh, enforcement agents to either protect federal buildings or to restore order in Portland and other parts of Oregon, maybe. Governor Kate Brown essentially expelled them and said they're leaving by noon today or leaving by today. And then the uh, Secretary of Defense or someone tweeted, tweeted back and said, no, we're not leaving. We're staying here. Uh, so that's essentially, you know, the governor is saying, get out of, get your forces out of here. And the federal government is saying, no, we're staying here. So that's, again, laying more and more groundwork for secession. What I really want to say is I'm happy to announce that I am officially looking into, thanks for the idea, Jody. I'm asking the rest of the Liberty Block Board to officially begin looking into consideration of opening the first ever the Liberty Block Bank to service pro-freedom people and other patriots who support firearms and other natural rights. So the entire board at the next meeting will discuss what it would look like to potentially consider thinking about possibly maybe looking into opening up a bank if possible, if the government lets us, or if we can do it without government permission. So we should uh, start a Patreon channel and try to raise a hundred million dollars so we can have our own credit card with our logo on it. Anyway, 
Just want to thank everybody for participating. Please invite friends to join us. We are going to be on SoundCloud and iTunes within several hours, hopefully. And again, thank you for being here. Have a wonderful day. Thank you very and much. And make sure you subscribe. Thank you.